doing a lot of thinking these days about as I develop more fully some of my ideas to go into my book, which I'm um, planning to have drafted by April. I'm developing some of the ideas and the themes. One of the things I keep coming back to regarding women, so the basic premise for the book, if you haven't heard any of my other videos uh, or podcasts are, is basically how do we normalize women leadership, female leadership? And I just keep coming back to that we have to, it's just going to take individual women stepping up in their lives. And whether that's in their community at work or at church or whatever um, aspect that they find most compelling. But while I'm thinking about that, I, I reflect on women in my life who've been amazing leaders. And, and you know, I no no woman, no person is perfect. Um, but one of my first really powerful and strong examples of leadership was when I was in the um, satellite industry, I worked for the federal government. I, I came into a big engineering group as a scientist and which is incredibly daunting. Um, the team was incredibly smart. Um, there was, I think, um, I did the numbers once, 120-ish people. After a couple of years I was there, we had sort of, uh, we there was another satellite mission upcoming, so we had lost a few people to that program. But So it's a lot, over 100 easily, um, uh, people that we worked with. and day to day and I didn't know what they did. Um, my contribution was that I had been a user, um, science user of the data for about a decade before I joined the management team, the engineering team. And it was really an amazing time and one of the things there's lots of good things to say about that team but what I want to focus on today is how from a very high perspective high level perspective how we how I saw the leadership managing that team and it's something that I'm trying to put my finger on because it was probably the most high-performing team I've ever seen. It was, at the time, the, th the harder the problem, the more they stepped up. The more complicated the issue, the more excited they were to figure out a new solution. And the management of that team, from my perspective, I, because I'm not an engineer, they, I couldn't really help them solve their specific problem. So the cool thing about engineering is they, they all are very incredibly specialized, but they know they need to work as a team to get anything done. And I, I love that about engineering. And 
so I didn't fit a cog in that wheel. And that was really, um, it, it took me a while to gain respect from the engineers that were doing the work. Um, but one of the things I contributed to, I think, are things like helping solve problems. So when the engineers had an issue with an external customer or an external vendor, um, I could help. You know, I could take care of that problem. Um, when we looked across over time, when we looked across the schedule or across the planned activities, you know, I became an advocate for let's not, you know, let's think long term. What's our long game? You know, with a 150 person team, you know, we don't want to try to swing that boat too quickly. Um, and so it's an interesting thing to look back on now with some time perspective. It's been four years since I left that team. Man, time flies. And so what I'm so what I'm trying to do is put my finger on the high-performing teams thing. And so where I'm kind of at with some of those ideas is, um, first of all, one of the things I noticed from way before that engineering team even was, <coughs> excuse me was the roles and responsibilities have to be nailed. If you don't have clear roles and responsibilities for your team, um, then don't even try anything more complicated. <laughs> Go fix that first. <laughs> I can't tell you how many things I can think of that hard feelings, um, just things didn't get done. Two people got the same thing done. Um, like, it's just, uh, go get that figured out first. In fact, there's a story I hear, I like to tell about that. Um, a local organization in town, um, the boss sends out an email to let's say three or four people that says, hey, I need someone to handle this. And of course, the three or four people that get that email all think, well, I like, they're all amazing hardworking team members and they all want to take care of this for this guy. And so then they all go off and either do it and they start stomping on each other. And I'm like, okay, that is a bad approach. <laughs> Delegate to someone. If they can't do it, they'll find somebody else. So roles and responsibilities are really important. After that, you, the cool thing about me being the scientist is I couldn't micromanage them to in this, in the sense of, telling them how to do their job. Now I could clearly micromanage them in other ways like be in their office every day demanding to see updates or whatever. So one of the really impressive things I always thought was we had a very organized schedule of updating. So yes, if I had a question or a customer, I, I dealt largely with our the science concerns um, of the program. Um, So I couldn't micromanage the engineering, but I tried not to micromanage their time, their energy, their focus. And I think that's for me is a key thing. And, and I know not everyone is like this. And certainly we can have a conversation about multitasking if the, and if that's a thing. 
<laughs> I don't believe in multitasking. Uh, ask the people I hang out with, it drives them crazy. But um, I think that the more time somebody can have to actually do their job, the better everyone's performance is. And that's how I work, certainly. And so I tried to not micromanage their time. I had an open door, so if they ever needed to come to me with anything, you know, I was there and available. Because, um, you know, as a manager, there's lots of things to do, um, not a lot of um, really deep brain time. Um, I did some, um, I wrote a lot and things like that, which I needed time, but generally I was more interested in making sure that I was available. And I wasn't the lead manager by any stretch. The, the engineering uh, management, the, the pro project manager, and uh, there was four of us to start. And then we grew by a person over time. Um, and now that program's totally integrated into um, the new mission. So I'm not even sure what the org chart looks like anymore. But anyway, so that's, so the high-performing team, I think the essentials, roles and responsibilities, absolutely get that figured out. And I guess the second one I've seen a lot when as I've been doing the reading is sort of delegating, but you know, I can't, I couldn't delegate because I didn't, well, I delegated some things, but I didn't have the engineering chops to be involved in the delegation of engineering duties. But and we certainly stepped away and let them do what they do best. And they did awesome stuff. And I still, a smile when I think about you know they it was a it was a shop in rural America and and getting them to believe that they were the best at what they did in the world was really a challenge they really didn't believe it but um, they are and um, I really I still admire them greatly so don't micromanage um, and that doesn't necessarily mean the stuff but that also means the t their time and their focus and for me it, having that schedule of reviews, catch-up time, stand-ups. We don't like to sit in meetings that we don't need. I mean, that's true for everybody, especially those of us who have a ton of work to do. But having knowing that I was going to see um, this person in charge of this team or that person in charge of that team or like once a month we review everything, that was that really gave me a, a sense of feeling like everything was in control, and B, knowing that I would have a chance to speak to everybody um, as needed. And then, you know, I also um, looked to the role models of the project who would always challenge the team from an engineering perspective. I always challenge the team, <laughs> but for different things. Um, the engineering management challenged the team to push them harder to say, well, did you think about this? Or how would we do that? Or what if we spawn everything um, instead of having it in the archive? I mean, and these conversations were at a time when that wasn't common. And so it was really a, such a great learning experience for me too. I was so, at that time, I guess all the time, but that specifically, I'm, I was so open to just learning and absorbing everything I could from these incredibly smart people. And I think that's also um, a high-performing team thing to think about is you have these experts on your team for a reason. You cannot be experts on everything. Let them 
raise your level of understanding about what's going on. You don't have all the answers. And that's just, I love that. That's my favorite thing is to be the dumbest person in the room. It's really the way that I love to solve problems and brainstorm. So those are the big things I think. Um, there's lots of things we could talk about about leadership generally, but I think to get high-performing teams, organization, consistency, the, the attitude of collaboration while still honoring the expertise of the team members. Um, you expect your team members to help you solve problems. If we saw a big thing coming from our upper upper management, we're not the one, like me individually, I can't, I don't implement that. I have to bring the team, we have to bring the team together to implement. And so we expect them to help uh, proactively address issues. So open communication and those sorts of things. So I've got a list here that I made, I jotted down. Um, so again, organization, consistency, that communication in the sense of keeping your staff in the know and, and listening and expecting them to help get out ahead of issues, being creative to solve problems or being creative to try something new that, you know, in that world, there's a lot of new tech that it's hard for um, a big organization to be nimble. So, um, and then the collaborative idea, the the attitude that we're all in this together. And I think that's a real um, take home from that engineering approach that I really value a lot. So, and you also have to be trustworthy and um, have integrity and all those other great leadership qualities. But when we focus on teams, I think those are the big ones. So anyway, that's just some thoughts I have for today. Um, my brain is all chewing away on all this stuff, maddeningly. <laughs> so I thought I'd say some things out loud and uh, share some insights with you about that. And if any of you are listening that knows the teams of which I speak, um, uh, big love to you guys, and I hope you're still doing great. So we'll um, catch you on the other side. Get out there. Have a great week. Enjoy um, the beautiful weather, at least for my North American friends. And um, we'll talk to you next week, okay? See you later. Bye, guys. Well, hey, thanks so much for being here. This is Dr. Rachel Headley. Hey, I want to invite you to check out my website. It's projectleadershipsecrets.com. Under the blog tab, I've got all kinds of cool stuff. I've got audio, more video, some written blogs, some other free stuff. And then also my programs out there. It's got my project success blueprint. I've got change essentials. I've got 90 days to stress-free leadership. Come on out and join us you'll really love checking it out. If you're ready for that transformation, if you really wanna make a difference in your life, take that next step, reap the financial, intellectual, emotional rewards of taking on really big challenges, now's your time. Don't wait it out, man. And you know what, let's invite your friends over. Let's have your friends, your female colleagues. If we're gonna change and normalize female leadership and doing it one woman at a time, we better get started. All right, guys, have a great week. Go out there and kick some butt. Have a little fun. Start changing the world.
See you next week. Bye.